0: Fatherhood still is the most difficult thing that I've done in life. After 12 years, some days I still feel like I don't have a clue. But it's getting easier. Or at least I'm learning to cope with the challenges that it brings along the way. I'm Brett Farrell, and this is Fatherhood. I've been talking to fathers to see how they handle this thing called fatherhood. Because through sharing our stories, we're all becoming better. This is a monthly so please subscribe, and each new episode will find its way to your favourite podcast player. Be encouraged by the stories and share it with your friends because, as we know from the Hugh Grant film About a Boy, no man is an island. In this episode, I talked to David Smallbone, better known as Rebecca St. James and for King and Country's dad and manager. He was in Australia at the CMAA conference where David, his wife Helen, and Rebecca were awarded the CMAA Legacy Award. It's also where I
1: recorded this episode, which is a little different. We go down a few rabbit holes. The pressure of the industry, the kids were therapy. And so they helped me get distracted. And and I think every time a baby came along, I saw Jesus in a new way. We start with fatherhood to be
0: sure. And I wanted to know more about how a father handles loss and failure.
1: You're asking me these questions. The astonishing thing to me, uh, 29 years after we lost everything, is Helen standing by me, no question asked.
0: Even though the hurt is still there all these years later, this is a story about a guy just trying to support his family and make his way in the world. Good about I think you you worked in the media team level. David doesn't distinguish his family life from his family's professional life, so the words children and artist are used interchangeably. I'm Brett Farrell, and this is David Smallbone on Fatherhood. What was it like the day, like the exact moment when Helen told you, for the very first time, we're gonna have a
1: baby? What goes through your head then? We'd been married. year and a half. She's an occupational therapist. She didn't like being an occupational therapist. She'd let me know, I want to have children sooner more so than later. And we fell pregnant pretty quick. I don't remember that moment when she told me. I remember the moment when Rebecca was born, because I feel suddenly that was the moment when Love made sense. You know, first couple of years, you know, when you beat a marriage, jolly selfish music business guy. I've been in music business since I was 16. And I'm now 69. And music business doesn't bring out the best in people. You know, it's egocentric and all that type of stuff. So, So I was a selfish guy. And so I think Rebecca coming along two years into marriage, I was 27, Helen was 22. That was the moment when suddenly... Everything made sense. Everything just connected. Yeah. And I missed her birth in hospital because uh, she came very quickly. They, I'd been there, and they said, oh, she's not coming for another 12 hours or so, and then she came three hours later. And so... Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think I missed any of the others, but I did miss that one. Oops. Well, that wasn't yeah. your fault, though. That was okay. Well... well can't have your card marked for that one. I think, I, think she, I think Helen still remembers it. You know what I smell like? I was focused on business to a fault. You know, like I'm... If she was to talk to you in a quiet moment, she would probably still say, oh, you know, David is still, you know, doing artist development, doing management, doing music ministry, whatever you want to call it. It's, you've got to use all your wits, you know, like there's uh, a lot of variables. Yeah. You know, developing an artist, there's, you've got to have the right team, you've got to have the, the artists have to be gifted, you have to have the right songs, uh, you have to have the right temperament. You have to be good on partnerships. Yeah. And so there's always more to do. David's given himself to business.
0: And if I'm going to give that amount of my time and devotion, then I'd want it to be for something that was worthwhile too. And that's how David squared that circle. His devotion to business
1: was not only to support his family, but to promote them. They're his life's work. I'm different in Nashville because I want to go out and try things and fail. Yeah. Nashville doesn't want to fail. Wow. And how do you ever learn if you but don't you fail?
0: you can't. Someone said the other day, I've seen plenty of successes come out of trying and failing, but I've never seen success come out of doing nothing. Yeah. I thought, oh, and that just, that just... That's pretty, pretty brilliant. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I am going to fail. That's okay. Yeah. I need to make peace with that yeah. and then move on. Yeah.
1: Fail- failure was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, so I'm, I don't want to go back there. But it was uh, really incredible.
0: That's why I wanted to really talk to you because if I just set the scene at the time, I'm going to take. We're going to go back to the '90s. I think mm. six kids. Mm. I mean, you must love kids for a start. Six, then
1: seven came later. We were only going to have four because her parents had four, my parents had four, and then I think with the the pressure of the industry, the kids were therapy. And so they helped me get distracted. And and I think every time a baby came along, I saw Jesus in a new way. And I think every time a little baby came along, it uh, took away a little bit more selfishness. You know what us men are like. We're very yeah. selfish. And so there's something in the gift of children. That's a- You're asking me these questions. The astonishing thing to me, uh, 29 years after we lost everything, is Helen standing by me, no question asked.
0: Tell me about the time. What was going on in your life in the 90s before you ended up in Nashville?
1: Turmoil. I I remember going to Helen and uh, what had happened... I'd lost everything, and uh, so we were selling the house in Glenory and we'd initially put it on the market for six hundred, and then we overpriced because it was that extra hundred that was going to help us get ahead. But we ended up selling it for five hundred a year later, and you know, like I was in my third month of foreclosure. You understand all that? And they were just about to come and take control. I had a, I had a Mike Wonkey tour come through, made good money on that, so I was able to catch up on. On my mortgages. What point do you
0: have to go to Helen and say,
1: hey, listen, we've really got to talk because something's happened? Yeah, this thing. It, you know, like, it's funny you ask me these questions because it's emotional for me to answer them because I married a spiritual lady. I took a, I took till middle age to get really serious. I was a lukewarm Christian for half my life. Okay. And uh, I had a triple whammy. <sighs> I felt like a failure. I survived emotionally because she stood by me. For better or worse, David puts that wedding vow to the test. It's
0: easy enough, I guess, to say on the day. And when he thought that he'd lost everything, he hadn't. He still had the love of his wife. Her support never wavered.
1: I was going to go and work for Carmen. His manager called me up and said, because the word had got out that I was failing and hurting, and so he called me out, we don't want you to come anymore, but he'd bought the airfares. And so I went to Helen. and I said, I still think we should go to America. What do you think? Thinking she would say no, and I, in the back of my mind, I knew it was definitive. And she yeah. said, we'll go for two years. At some point, the the
0: job you had lined up falls through.
1: Yep. The job went away in November. Child number seven came along in December. And that was a miracle because we're going to the hospital. And normally got to, in America, you go to the hospital, you've got to have all the, it all worked out. You've got to have the finances worked out. We turn up and they say, uh, we haven't got you listed. <laughs> but they t- still took us in. And uh, our youngest daughter was born. Someone then came along and paid for her to be born in hospital. You know, someone from our church. Is there a time it was like practical dad head? You're like, great, we've got a new baby, that's the joy.
0: But yep. then you think, they just give me a massive bill here for this hospital experience. Do you turn to prayer? Do you hope? Do you just think, well, I'll figure it out, I'll go with some all, money?
1: It was all so overwhelming. Like I'm I'm trying to put food on the table. I ended up not because I wanted to, but living in the world of miraculous My wife's mother would call once a month in tears on the phone saying, it's not working, come home, come back to Australia. We had seven children. She never faltered. Like, to be around that great love, I... It's humbling, right? I I talk about my wife every now and then and I'm with her and we'll be out driving or talking or something and, and I get tearful because... Her unconditional love for me when I was... She, knew, she knows my gift set pretty well. She knows my strengths and my weaknesses. But to love me through all that... I put it down to... I was blessed in marrying a spiritual lady. Like, I don't know how that happened. If it were me, foreign country, no job hospital bill, new baby,
0: six kids. I'd be a quivering mess on the floor at that point. It takes some kind of special self-belief or faith and support to cope in those conditions. And that's exactly what David had.
1: The church was putting food on the table. Two local churches took us under their uh, area of responsibility. One Sunday school class furnished our house and, like... I I saw the hands and feet of Jesus in a way that I've never that impacts me even to this day. So and it's one of the reasons when any of my friends or associates come to me negative about the church, it's very hard. Yeah. I've seen the church in action. I'm cynical of the music business. Yeah. Love the church. I love the message of Christian music. I sometimes think we get confused because uh, we think we're in the music business, more so in the ministry. Yeah. I like to think what we're attempting to do this is a ministry. This yeah. is a ministry deal. We're, we're we're involved in sharing the most wonderful message known to man. It's as if the
0: loss and hardship, and then seeing the church in action, are the things that saved him from being another pure music industry cynic. It's those circumstances that shaped him and made him who he is today. One of the guys in Delirious brought this up in his podcast interview with me, and it's been playing on my mind, and I'd love your take on it. The idea was, you're away a lot, Mm. and how do you be a father when you're in America six months of the year and your family's Mm. in England? Mm. And he says, I think ultimately it's probably better that my kids see a dad who's fulfilled in his calling rather than being necessarily just around, but working in some capacity, not exercising his calling and gifts appropriately. The
1: first is the better experience for the kids. What's your take on that? I've been fulfilled in what I've attempted to do. Now, I got broken. I was broken when I lost everything. I left Australia with, you know, my towel between my legs. And, you know, even coming back for this event that we're at, <laughs> it's such a... To have our friends and our peers, uh, encouraging somebody who... Most people know our story. You know, most people know that we, 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 fa- we failed pretty visibly and obviously. Uh, but I... A weird thing about me is I'm probably happier than most of my buddies of similar vintage and they're going through their brokenness now because some of your buddies you get to mid-50s or whatever you let go that you're pushed out of the music business uh and i'm still i'm still in it and i'm allowed to be involved in sharing the most wonderful message known to man and my buddies are going through their brokenness now. Either there's challenges at home, or they're depress- There's depression, or they've been let go. They can't find. They can't use their skill set. I went through that at forty. Change at forty. Get into your sixties, late fifties. How did I do? And so, I look back. I was given this incredible, incredible gift. My marriage got stronger, and I actually saw the church in action. I'm. I'm not just a, I'm not a guy in church every Sunday because, you know, I want want some good food just for that day. It, I'm imperfect. I I call myself a flawed Jesus follower, but my eyes were open to a better way of living. And I want to shout that loudly. I've now got nine grandchildren and I'm doing it for them because I, I want, I want, my grandkids to grow up around Christian community and the culture's trying to stop that. You're seeing it here in Australia in a way. I just look at this political debate that, that in some cases is becoming anti-Christian in the front page of the Australian today. And, uh, you know, how can we share this incredibly, this incredible message lovingly and strongly in a way people are going to hear, but not religiously? But I I say to anybody who's gone through a hard time, ask preparation. Preparation for something around the corner. Something better, because that's what happened to me. The thing that we can learn
0: from someone that's been through tough times is that you can get through them. Hindsight's a powerful thing, but if you're in the middle of the storm, you just need to remember that it's not finished yet.
1: I think... As parents, we need to be looking at a way of doing life together, more so like farmers do with their children. And, uh, you know, on the farm, the kids are out there helping. If it's a dairy farm, they're out helping milking. Uh, If it's an agricultural farm, they're out there on on the tractor and things like that. And I probably have a slightly different take. I agree the dad has to be fulfilled. And so I think we've got to be looking at a different model. I'm an apologist for homeschooling. Uh, like our kids, none of our kids ever went to college. Uh, they are all doing pretty well in their different trades. And what they've ended up doing is an apprenticeship. Boys in for King Country uh, did an apprenticeship under their sister. Mm. Joel was a stage manager, backup singer, so he learned all about that. Luke was, uh, did the lighting. And we were able to do it together. I think there's something in that. I, you know, one of my comments is that we are a farming community out doing concerts. And I I think we've got to be looking at ways of spending as much time with our wives and children as possible. The culture is saying, okay, you send your kids off to a Christian school, or you send them off to a college. My conclusion, after starting off doing that, yeah. and then suddenly having a business reversal, and that idea all being... We stumbled over a different way of thinking. You know, my challenge to anyone who's prepared to listen is it doesn't need to be the way that everybody else does it in the culture. Be prepared to experiment and fail.
0: David wasn't prepared to accept society's version of normal. It just didn't work for his family. I love how he shapes the world around him and not the other way around leaving behind what they knew, the house, Christian schools and all that. But what was only meant to be a couple of years instead became their new way of life. So it's your heart attitude as a father.
1: Yeah. How do you bring out their own gifts? What did you do there? Yeah. Well, with Rebecca, nothing was working for me in America. So, you know, I was talking to different artists and attempting to manage them, and, but nothing really was hitting a home run, the only thing that seemed to get people's attention was Rebecca. And so what we would do, probably once a week, we would go down to the basement of the house and we would practice. She would sing uh, with tracks and then talk in between the songs because, you, as you know, that's when artists are uncomfortable. They can sing okay, but then when they talk, you know, like suddenly yeah. they they lose connection. So I don't think... We were over-pushy. How do you be lovingly encouraging without being kind of, well, in my world, a show business dad? Now, what I've done as a dad who's managed his children, I have a partnership mm-hmm. with my daughter and now with Joel and Luke and for King Country. So we split the net. With Rebecca, we split the net 50-50 with Joel and Luke uh, it's a third, a third, a third. And it's uh, we're in this together. Good, the bad, the ugly. And I I tell them everything I know. I still get voted out. And that's very hurtful to a gentleman of increased vintage because, you know, I've been... Mean, You've not seen my, some things. Yeah, this is not my first rodeo. But I, I don't <laughs> get voted out that much. But uh, I still do. I think it's... That's really fascinating you said that, that you get voted out it, it affects you oh yeah it's it, it's that's the one moment in time when my wife counsels me very strongly because i'm not i on occasions i I've got better at it lately, but occasionally when i'm I'm a man of conviction, i'm very I'm very ministry minded, I'm very artist development minded, and then suddenly I get voted out on something. That I think is incredibly important. It kind of drains me for a couple of days. You know, I, I deal with millennials, buddy, and millennials think they know it all. You know, and so oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, and I'm, I'm a strong-willed dude. Like I, I've, I've seen it all. This is not my first rodeo, yeah. and and I, I tell them everything I know, yeah. the good, the bad, the ugly. I think most days I'm encouraging, but if Helen, you had a quiet moment with Helen, she would say. David's got to be nicer. He's just too blunt sometimes because, because they're my own flesh and blood. I, I go for the jugular and say, Well, guys, why don't we, why don't we think about this? And she said, Well, if I, if I was nicer in my approach, yeah. they'd probably listen better. They listen. It's good. It's very functional. We probably have one of the most functional artist manager relationships. In Nashville. If we can talk about, in, in the sense that there's Rebecca, then there's for King & Country. Hmm. In some respects, Rebecca's
0: career was pre-internet, and for yeah. King & Country is post-internet. As a dad, you still had to be a dad to all these kids through that time continuum. Hmm. What's it like being a dad now in a post-internet generation versus being a dad in a pre-internet generation?
1: We were, With Rebecca, we used email more so... More aggressively than anybody else there. We built up a list and we communicated with those people via email. We do a newsletter every week. And and we would uh I forgot what they call it, but we'd have people writing back to us and uh I don't know if there's there's just so much more volume. You know, like in our world, uh what do we got? We got Close on a million on Facebook. With, we we don't have huge numbers, but they're very reactive. We've got six, seven hundred thousand on Instagram. We've got a hundred thousand on Twitter. One of my roles is, I watch that very. Cl- I'm I'm trying to okay. What's my? I'm really big picture, really small picture. I'm looking. I think maybe, I'm doing a better job today because I'm I'm watching all the data. I'm watching. Okay, how can we? connect this incredible message with these people. So I'm I study it maybe more so than any other manager in Nashville because the other managers have four or five acts. I just have for King Country and Rebecca. And Rebecca is just starting all over again. So I I think main difference is better intelligence. Uh, we do you have to protect them from that as well? Like, do, do you, do, when you're looking at all this data,
0: hmm. do you see stuff and go, "Oh man, they, I've got to make sure they don't see this because that's not no, encouraging." No,
1: no, no, I, no, 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 I, I no, that's what I want. Either. No, I, <sighs> that, that's my strength and my weakness. There's no, there's no secrets in my management style. Some managers do protect their artists, and I, I would go as far as saying to you. Poor management, because that the the artists ended up thinking too highly of themselves. We're uh, we're pretty open and honest. I would go as far as saying, on occasions, brutal. How do you protect your
0: kids from that craziness? How do you teach them? Hey, guys, here's what's real. Here's what you need to know.
1: Here's how you need to be and act and guard your hearts, because we are in the crazy business. I think it's pretty. It's 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 got more simple for me as I got older. I think on all the important questions now is what is the Jesus answer? The problem with the Jesus answer, a lot of times it's a long term answer, it's not immediate gratification. So, what happens in Nashville, people make the commercial answer, which will give them a lot of money yeah. next week. But that's not the best long term answer. So, you know, and that's why I think mentors and accountability is so important. I think wives are so important because they know you and I well, they know our strengths and weaknesses. I wanted to talk to David because I wanted to know how you recover if you lose
0: everything. But what I found out is that he didn't lose everything. His wife was there, his family were there, and I don't need to lose it all to think about things differently. But if I ever did face tough times, like David, I hope that the church comes through. The simple acts of furnishing the house, providing food, providing comfort. The church rallying around a family and simply helping this dad.
1: My encouragement to you, myself, anyone who's prepared to listen, look for the Jesus answer. And it's going to be negative to the culture, and we're going to find a lot of people who don't support us. (laughs) But that's what we're called to do. Thank you to the show's producer and editor, Loretta
0: Farrell. To Nathan Brown at Christian Media and Arts Australia for arranging this interview, and to David for allowing me to dig into some areas that most of us would
1: rather forget. I'm Brett Farrell, and this is Fatherhood. You have a joy about you, and I, you know, and like I I don't come across too many joyful attorneys, so keep it up, buddy.